Yes, Lord. We believe in you, God. Yes, Father. We believe in you. You are so worthy. You are so good. Even in times like this. I've seen it before, Father. Even times like this. Even times of the storms, Father God. You are so good. You are so good. We just praise you. We exalt you. We enthrone you over this whole situation that's going on with us. We enthrone you over this church service tonight, Father. We thank you, Father, for internet. We thank you, Father, for social media, even though that it gets, to, it gets in certain people's ways, Father, including mine. But, Father, I thank you for making the way that you knew that this was going to happen, that you made the way that we can still be able to just proclaim what you've done. That we'd be able to proclaim the good news. And Holy Spirit, as Pastor Darren said, there's no boundaries. So Holy Spirit, fill us. Fill every single one of us. Fill every single house. Every single house that has this message on, Father God, that has your church on, Father God, that, that you'd be filling them, Father. That there'd be no, no lack of your presence. That you'd completely submerge each and every one of us. That you'd baptize us in your Holy Spirit once again. Fully submerge us, Father. Holy Spirit, have your way. Flow freely tonight. We just thank you for everything. We thank you for the word, Father God, that you have for us tonight. We thank you for the freedom. We exalt you. In Jesus' holy and precious name. Amen. Well, thank you guys. I should have done this before, sorry. Um, thank you for uh, joining us here. For those of you who don't know me, I'm C.W. C.W. Wigley. Um, my wife uh, is my better half. That was Kirsty, who was singing, playing the guitar. I just honor her and thank her for, for putting up with me. She has definitely uh, seen, seen uh, me in my worst ways sometimes. So, so uh, I honor you and I thank you for always standing strong, Kirsten, and, and uh, just always being there and, and getting me right back on the track. And, and I just thank uh, pastors for uh, inviting me to be up here. And uh, trust in me with, uh, with your pulpit and with your people. I just uh, thank you guys and, and I honor you and um, just love you guys so much. And uh, thank you guys for uh, Northern Colorado Cowboy Church for just trusting me as well. Um, there's a, with everything going on, there's a scripture that I've seen in an email. And I'm not going to go to it because it's a longer one. But I want you guys to write this down. It's Mark 4. 37 through Mark 5:20. See, and a lot of times for me, I'll get into the, I'll get into the Word and I'll start reading, but I'll I'll read a chapter at a time. Well, the next night I forget even what the last chapter was ending with and where it was even beginning. But in Mark chapter 4, starting in 37, it's it's where Jesus said, "Let's go to the other side." So him and his disciples get in the boat. There's other boats that went with them, but they hit a storm. Well, Jesus was found sleeping. He was found sleeping up in the boat with, like what it says, with his head on the pillow. The disciples were getting scared because of the storm. And they went in and they talked to him and said, Don't you care about us perishing? We're perishing right now. Don't you care? And they get rebuked for their fear. But Jesus comes out and he calms the storm. They go to the other side 
And then in Mark chapter 5, it says, When they got to the other side, there come a man running to him that was possessed with demons. And I feel so strongly right now that, that in our time right now, like I'm excited. Uh, like, if you guys could feel it through the TV, like uh, through this video screen, I'm like way pumped right now, Be- even in the time that we're in. Because when I seen this yesterday, I was like, God's fixing on doing something. Because the storm happened before Jesus wanted to go to the other side, or before he got to the other side, because he wanted to go there. And he went there for one man to set him free. That one man was wanting to get in the boat with Jesus. Jesus says, no, I want you to go, into, go back into the city, and I want you to tell the people and proclaim what I've done for you. And I believe that the, that, that, that the Holy Spirit's been blowing life into us. He's been reviving us. We're fixing to see revival in this, town, in this region here. I know, and I know other regions as well. I don't know where you're listening from. But I know in this region right now, he's, he's been blowing life into us, almost like CPR. He's just pumping us, pumping us full of life. And it's been happening. We see little bits. We see little bits. And then the storm happens. Tries shutting us down. Shuts down the church. We got a, we got a, uh, a shoot for the a youth shoot coming up. The fundraiser for the, for the kids going to, to Dallas. What's that look like? In the economy that we're at now, how's that going to get sponsored? I don't know, but God's fixing on doing something. Because this, he's going he's gonna to calm the storm. And we don't run on, a, on normal economics. We run on kingdom economics. So I don't know what he's, what he's fixing on doing, but he's fixing on doing something. He's going to send youth out into the world and say, go and proclaim what I've done. There's going to be people set free. What, what do you lack? What do you need in right now? Because there's going to be people set free when, when we get to the other side. I'm so excited right now. Like I'm like... I'm, oh man, I'm sorry, but I'm like wound up right now. But that's, I mean, I'm, I'm dead set. When I, when I read this, when I, when I got that revelation, I was like, he's fixing on doing something. Can anybody say he's fixing on doing something? And I mean, I can't hear you right now, but can, he, are you, can you say that he's fixing on doing something? Because I want to hear the people proclaiming from the rooftops in Greeley. I want to hear the people proclaiming from, from the rooftops in Eaton. All around this region, that Jesus is fixing on doing something. Don't let up. Now is not the time to let up. And one thing that I wanna, wanted to point out with that story too is the disciples could have stopped, turned the boat around, said, man, Jesus, we didn't want to wake you up. You were sleeping so peacefully, we didn't want to wake you up. But we hit a storm. We didn't know if we could make it through it, so we turned back. Don't stop. Go to the Lord. See, the disciples went to him. So if all of us in the body of Christ would go to him right now and say, Lord, there's a storm that we need you to quiet. I believe it'll be quieted. And I'm ready for the other side. Amen? So that's not what I'm preaching tonight. I think it could have probably. But last week I I started this uh, little two-week series on the orphan spirit. And on my, on my title, it says Orphan Spirit versus Sonship. And when I say sonship, there's times in here that I'll probably say sonship, and I'm, that includes daughters and everything like that. It's just like sonship is like the whole, um, the whole is all of us, daughters, sons. Um, but uh, so last week I, I started with Romans 8.15. 
And it says, for you, did, for you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry, Abba, Father. And in the trans, uh, Passion Translation, it says, but you have received the spirit of the full acceptance enfolding you into the family of God, and you will never feel orphaned. I don't want to go too much into last week. I just want to hit on a couple things just so you guys are up with me as I'm going through a couple things here tonight. Because in in the ancient times, it talked about that an orphan is one who is fatherless. So a lot of times it's what we know now is both parents, but back then it was even fatherless. And And last week I told my story about how I orphaned myself and what I learned from it and how I was like going into how I was set free. And tonight we'll go into that. In the, orphan, in the orphan mindset, it has, it'll tell you, I don't know who I belong to. It'll tell you, I don't know where I belong. I must achieve, I must perform, I must be striving to always be accepted into the family. One of the stories I, I heard, I was even talking to the pastor about it, and, and we had heard it before because I thought I had, but I heard Bill Johnson ministering, one time, and he talked about these orphans that uh, the foster kids that he brought over to that, or they had at the house. I don't, I don't know how long they was there or whatnot, but they sat them down for dinner, and and these kids just started grabbing when the when the food was down on the table, they started reaching and grabbing for everything because they were used to the lack. They didn't know any different, and so so the orphan mindset will be thinking that you're that you're lacking and you'll be clawing and grabbing for anything that you can have you'll be hoarding up whatever you can because you don't know of any inheritance you don't have no father you don't have no mother that's going to be bringing down uh that you that you got an inheritance from and i found that for myself that i that i had the need to feel like i had to survive that i had to Push to survive, and I was a, I was a loner. I was a, like a lone wolf. I had friends, but on the same token, I I was on my own. I was I was fending for myself. And in that mindset, it always brought fear. It always brought shame and rejection, jealousy, loneliness, and as I already said, is lack. There's so many times, and and I said this before. Like you're gonna hear, yes, I'm a man, and I. I I don't care. I'm not, I'm not worried about talking about my feelings. I ain't worried about having my feelings on my sleeve. Like, it don't bother me no more. Before, I would have. But now that I know who I am and who's accepted me, the main one that counts, it don't matter no more. And that's what I hope that, that you guys will receive out of this. But I'd have so much rejection. I'd live on so much fear all the time. My reputation was always in jeopardy. And, I, and I, last week I talked about the vision that God gave me. In the three places that, I, that was in that vision, there's a vision. I, I want to tell it just in case you didn't hear it. So you can go back and, and listen to everything last week. But right now we're here. And if you didn't listen to it, I want to fill you in. So the vision that I had, was, I, was, I was dancing in worship one night and at the house. And, the, and then it just kept downloading, downloading, downloading in me. But I seen, I seen the floodgates of heaven starting to open up. The handles the round handles were opening and the flood water started coming down and they went into this city, this old, like, I guess maybe it would be a town, like it would be like a town of the old west, like if you watched a movie, you know, where they had the little square, uh, the shops and the stores and the, 
in, in the hotels. They were the little double-storied square housing. And you could see down the middle of the road where the water was running. And the first place that, that God showed me was is that there's, that there's a separation. See, when, when you're, if you're an orphan, like you're separated from the Father. There's a separation there, and, and there's only one way to, to fill that gap, and that's through Jesus. He's, he's the way, the truth, and the life. And uh, I, I hit on that last week. The second one is in that vision, I seen those houses there, uh, and they're on the left side. And there was, there was people in shopping. They're they busy around. They're being busybodies. And that's what God told me is there's people that are busy right now. And they're, they're distracted and worried about other things. And then there was one where this guy was tipped back in his chair and he was watching the waters flow. God said, yeah, that's the one that thinks he's okay. That's the one that thinks that since he brings his kids to church, he's okay. That's the one that doesn't want to go any further with me, but yet he thinks he's okay. And the third place is where we're, is, oh, the third, uh, in the third building that I seen, I seen, I seen a, a person doing things for the Lord. It was a, they thought that they were doing it all for Jesus, but Jesus was nowhere to be found in the middle of it. They had the talk, they had the lingo down, but he was nowhere to be found in it. They were doing what they thought that it should have been done. They were doing what, had always been done. Maybe traditions and all that stuff. And God said, I ain't even in the middle of that. And the water was flowing, excuse me, was flowing down the middle. And it was cutting banks. And he says, I'm fixing to do stuff that, that's going to be undeniable. And we're going to go into the third place that he, that he showed me. Here tonight. Whoa. Um, hold on. How do these get mixed up? Now I'm going to be a mess. <clears throat> but I thought about tonight, and, and I was like, there's many, many people that we can go and talk about. There's, there's the disciples and I'm talking about with this orphan mentality that had to strive. That they were always arguing about what, you know, or not always arguing, but wondering who was the best. They, had, they were striving to be better. They were striving to do this. They were serving. They thought that they could do this. They was doing this. They was doing this. And you, and you can think about the disciples when they're arguing about that. You can think about Mary and Martha. And the interesting thing was is, that I thought was so interesting for me that hit me was Martha. That was Martha's house. She was the host for Jesus. So she, she would have been the one kind of doing the stuff, trying to cater and, and host. And Jesus even set the, sent the disciples out to feed the loaves of bread. So it wasn't that he's saying, just sit at my feet all the time. But he said, you're distracted by many things, Martha. Don't, don't be getting on to Mary because you think that she should be doing the same thing that you are. And I found myself doing that a lot in the church. 
I'm like, why aren't you doing this? Why aren't you doing this? Like, we got to do this. We got to do this. And why aren't you doing this? I find it in the workplace as well. You think that your boss, you think that you know how to, you know how to be the boss quicker or more or do things a lot better than the boss does because you think you should be in that position, you know? But the two that I went with tonight to go in more detail with was David and Saul. Because Saul, he was anointed king. He was anointed the king from God. In 1 Samuel 10, 6, it says, Then the Spirit of the Lord will come upon you, and you will prophesy with them and be turned into another man. See, Samuel told him to go and, and look for, I believe, his donkeys, and that they were going to come down these men that were walking and prophesying. And when they come, about, when they come upon him, that he was even going to start prophesying with them. And that's when he was um, anointed anointed king. And it even says, and that's what caught my eye so much was, and you'll be turned into another man. See, I had accepted Jesus. I was already saved, but I brought my carnal ways into, into church, and I still packed them into the, my personal life, my friendships, my marriage. That orphan mentality continued to lead me. See, and as we know, Saul, he, he, uh, he went on and he, he didn't follow the commands of God. God told him to do certain things and he didn't. In 1 Samuel 15, 10, it says, God is speaking. He says, I greatly regret anointing him as king. I don't know about you, but I hope that I never do something that uh, the Father in heaven would say I deeply regret. So we got Saul, that he was, the, he was the anointed king. And by not following the commandments of God, that's what, he, that's what God said. But yet he was still the king. So let's go to 1 Samuel sixteen thirteen. Actually, I'm going to... I want to start up here in verse 1, 16.1. It says, Now the Lord said to Samuel, How long will you mourn for Saul, seeing I have rejected him from reigning over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and go. I am sending you to Jesse, the Bethlehemite, for I have provided myself a king among his sons. I want to skip down here in verse 6. So it was... When they came, that he looked at Elab and said, Surely the, Lord, the Lord's anointed is before him. He looked at this guy and he's like, Oh, yeah. I could just imagine that this guy is like built, good looking, clean cut, looking exactly like a king should, right? But here in verse 7 it says, But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look at the appearance or at his physical stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord does not see as a man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. He's saying, don't look at the carnal ways. He said, I'm fixing to do something new. He said, I'm fixing to change the way of thinking here. 
So Jesse called Abinadab, sorry, should have learned that word, and made him pass before Samuel. And he said, Neither has the Lord chosen this one. And Jesse made Shema pass by, and he said, Neither has the Lord chosen this one. Thus Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel. And Samuel said to Jesse, The Lord has not chosen these. And Samuel said to Jesse, Are all the young men here? Then he said, There remains yet the youngest, and there he is, keeping the sheep. See, I would have thought, with my, with my mindset, I would have thought that by now, David would have already heard. He would have already caught wind that one was coming to be anointed king. And I would have thought David would have been running. Pick me, pick me. Because that's what I would have been doing. Because that orphan mindset, I was constantly thinking that I needed to be doing something to be put in that place. But see, David sat with the sheep. He stayed doing what he was doing. And Samuel said to Jesse, Send and bring him, for we will not sit down till he comes here. Skipping down here in verse 13. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon him. And David came upon David from that day forward. So Samuel arose and went to Ramah. So what do you guys think David did? I mean, he, he was anointed king, right? He went right to the throne, I'd imagine, right? Because, I mean, we get a prophetic word, and it's, it's that time. But see, in verse 19, it says, Therefore, therefore Saul, I better give a little back story here. So Saul, the Spirit of the Lord, departed from Saul. And, and he had a distressing spirit come upon him, and he wanted music played. So he sent out messengers to go and find, uh, find somebody that can play music. I'll, skip, I'll start at 18. Then one of the servants answered and said, Look, I have seen a son of Jesse, the Bethlehemite, who is skillful in playing, a mighty man of valor, a man of war, prudent in speech, and a handsome person, and the Lord is with him. Therefore Saul sent messengers to Jesse and said, Send me your son David, who is with the sheep. I mean, he gets anointed king and he goes back with the sheep? Come on now. This, this guy is like out of his mind for sure. I mean, when the Lord speaks through somebody in a prophetic word, it is that moment and I mean, you need to start getting ready to move. Right? Amen. So he, go, he goes, he gets him. Jesse took a donkey, I'll just read it. Jesse took a donkey loaded with bread, a skin of wine, and a young goat. And he sent them by his son, David, to Saul. So David came to Saul and stood before him. And he loved him greatly, and he became his armor bearer. See, we got armor bearers here at the church. And so many times, people have wanted... And if this is you, I love you, okay? Because... Because I have that, or I had that orphan mindset. As a matter of fact, I'll, I'll just tell the whole story. Because in our, like I was one of the first armor bearers. An armor bearer is supposed to carry the armor, carry, supposed to serve, and all this stuff. And that, that's the thing: is he's anointed king. David's anointed king, 
And he becomes an armor bearer. He becomes the one that serves. But see, what I was saying about the armor bearer, there's so many people that's been in the church here that looked at the armor bearers like somebody special because they get to be the one closest to pastors. See, I thought that was cool for a time. I thought it was way cool because, hey man, I'm kicking it with Pastor Darren. I'm kicking it with Pastor Lynette. Until this happened. Until I truly realized that my relationship with them distanced. Why? Because I started learning honor. I started honoring their time. I started honoring their time with their family. And so I wouldn't hold them after church talking to them all the time. You should have seen me over at the barn. I'd, we'd, I'd, I'd have their ear until 10.30 at night after, on Tuesday nights. They're, they're laughing right here because it's truer than I'll get out. I, I've joked about it before. I'm the reason probably why they got a church number right now. I'm serious. Because I'd burnt their, their personal numbers up all the time. And see, when I become that armor bearer, I thought, hey, this is cool. And then I seen what it started doing. It come to a point that that orphan spirit made me despise being an armor bearer. Because it ruined the relationship with my spiritual parents, my spiritual father, my spiritual mother, that I felt like I couldn't talk to no more. Because it was all about honoring them. It was about serving. But see, here's the thing. If I could serve them greatly, surely they'd see me. If I'd always dust, the feet, dust their feet off, I, surely they'd see me. That's the orphan spirit. That's the orphan mentality. If you want to be an armor bearer, become the least. Truly, honestly. And, you, and don't think that you're going to be able to talk to pastors all this time. Because if, if Ty, the lead of security now, hears that you're bending their ear for two hours like I used to at the barn, he'll probably move you off of armor bearer. Just being real. You know what I'm saying? So we got David. He becomes, a, he becomes his armor bearer. He's serving him. And this is what I find so interesting is he just was him. He goes and he whoops Goliath and he's just him. His brothers get mad at him. He, go, he, he tells Saul and always at the front of it, what he was talking when he would talk would be the Lord did this. The, do, the way that the Lord delivered me out of the, out of the paw of the lion and out, out of the, you know, from the bear and all that stuff, he will do with me with with this big champion. He always talked about what he had been set free from, what he had already experienced with, with God. Well, pretty soon the people, they started, they started liking David more. What's that do to Saul? That orphan, that orphan spirit in Saul starts rising up. He starts getting jealous. He starts hating on David now. He starts wanting him dead. He starts putting out death warrants for him telling his servants hey let's kill him good thing for oh man i just is it jonathan good thing for jonathan saul's son which greatly loved david would come to him and warn him hey you got to do this hey let's go this way hey you got to move out of here before they kill you because that orphan spirit was leading Saul to the point because he was jealous because he was king. Here's the thing that I, that I thought was so interesting. He was doing that, but yet he still didn't even know who he was. He was still king. He was the one 
that should have had all the, you know, all the gloat about it. He should have felt, felt comfortable with himself. He had been the king. He is the king. David's not threatening him to kill him or anything like that. Like, he's serving him. But yet he was jealous of the one serving him. Because he didn't know who he was. See, David knew already what he was called to do. He knew what his identity was. Being, being with him, being a king was just the mandate. See, in, in Psalms 37, 4, David writes, Delight yourself, or delight yourself also in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he'll give the desires of your heart. He wants you to be in him, just as Jesus said, I'm in the Father, the Father in me. And I in you. David knew that even, in, even though he was in the Old Testament. David was also known as the man after God's own heart. In Acts 13, 22 it says that. And so what if we would start being a man or daughter, man or woman, son or daughter after God's own heart? See, we see it all the time in our personal lives. We see it in family. This is bizarre to me. I'll probably say this, and, and I don't want to offend nobody, but it's bizarre to me. Because, but what I'm saying I don't want to offend you is you might be in the situation right now. But it's bizarre that when one dies, when a father or when a, one of the parents die, the family split because they're trying to fight over the inheritance. Do, do you not know who you are? You need more. You're trying to reach and grab and claw for more. It baffles me. And it's all material stuff. Money, houses, this and that. Like, my dad passed away and I'd ask for certain things. And I was like, just as long as, you know, it gets passed down. Just as long as it gets passed down. I don't care. And I truly don't. And I did back then, and I even had the orphan spirit then. In friendships, I, I see it all the time. It's interesting to me because, you know, when, when I've seen men, and including myself, and, and now that God has pointed this out, I see it. You know, I see it in different things. I'm like, oh, man. Like, man, I hope that God given the revelation that you gave me. But in friendships, like men will will kind of seclude themselves off like because they got to act tough, you know, in, in friendships. But yet, they still wanted to be included. Why didn't they get called to go to here? Why didn't they get invited to do this? And with, but yet, they'll just start secluding themselves off. Where women, I've seen it, where they, they want that same thing. They start getting upset. I've even seen it where they will friend another one and it's almost like competition of friends. Who's going to do what more with what friend? You see it in the workplace. Promotions promised. People striving for them. Slang terms, I call it cinch cutting. 
because you start seeing cinches get cut because the person that's under somebody, they start cutting that cinch, making them look bad, trying to make them look bad, trying to make them fail at their jobs instead of just knowing who they are. Because if they knew that they were supposed to be in that position, if they were told they were supposed to be in that position, it wouldn't be no worries. This is kind of off the subject of work, but with the Kansas City Chiefs, there's a prophecy, a lot of you guys might have heard it, that when the Chiefs win the Super Bowl, there's going to be a great revival. So here we are watching the Super Bowl, and my wife's like, yeah, I believe the Chiefs are going to win because of that prophecy. I'm like, honey, don't go bet in the dude, don't go bet in the house on it because that could be ten years from now. They might go to the Super Bowl for the next ten years and lose all every single time until the tenth year. So don't go betting a lot of money on that because the thing is, is that prophecy didn't have a time on it. So when is that going to happen? When is that going to take place? The promotion might take you ten years because God's trying to prepare you for it. And guess what? He might be trying to prepare the position for you. Because the position ain't ready for you yet. You see it in sports. Sports is, sports is a hard one. Because of the competition that has to be in. Their competitiveness. But on the same token, if you're trying to cut the quarterback cinch. Because you think you should be in the quarterback position. That's a problem. If you think you need to be in front of the coach all the time. And, and being, the, being the most praised one, that's a problem. If you don't get touchdowns, if you don't score, and it dents your identity, it doesn't, it doesn't allow you to be the person that you thought you were, that's a problem. See, in church, it's no different. See, in church, I hear, I hear at times, well, I went to that church, and they didn't, they didn't even like act like they... Carried, I was there. There's no love there. Should have been. You was there, right? You're filled with the Holy Ghost. You know what I'm saying? Serving. I've said it already. That's, how, that's where I was. If I, could, if I could serve enough, I'd be noticed by the pastors. That creates burnout. If you're getting burned out, find out why you're, why you're even serving. Who you're serving for. Because if you're serving to be recognized, you'll burn out quick. And, and it might... Quick for me... Three or four years. But I, ain't, I, have, I don't put no time on your relationship with Christ. Short. It don't, it, like when I say it's, it don't take long to burn out, four years in eternity is very short. Four years was wasted time with me. Because I had served, I was ahead of security and all that stuff, and I got burned out. I started working on the road. I was still trying to do this, and I was like, oh, I can still, still please our pastors. I can still please my spiritual parents. I burn out. Then when I come back, I had a different mentality, but yet I still had this orphan spirit, but yet that orphan spirit made me seclude back away from my spiritual parents to be like, ah, I don't need that. I don't need that. I don't need that. But yet I would still be jealous. I'd still have resentment. I thought about this this week too. 
Just so you all know, I've already talked to pastors about this stuff too. (laughs) It ain't the first time they heard it. So, um, But the thing was, is I didn't want to, I didn't want it to direct them and make them think that, or like try making them feel like they needed to do something different. So it was after I was set free and they asked me to speak up here for the first time that I want, I said, I need to clear some stuff with y'all. And I went and I repented to them. I repented to them for judging people that was in the pulpit. I repented to them for judging their people. I repented to them for having resentment and, and anger and hatred and all this stuff for, for different things that happened throughout the church. Now I'm trying to sort through my notes again because somehow they got messed up, so I apologize. So, And as I already spoke too of the prophetic words, we get told we're, we're got... We're, uh, we're called to do certain things. That this and that in the church, and, and we're, some of you may be told that, you've been, that you're called to be a pastor, that you're called to be a, an evangelist, that you're called to be an apostle, prophet, whatever. The prophet's the one that everybody likes to be because they get to see things and everything. Evangelists, you know, they, you know, they get rewards for the numbers that they bring in. But if you only knew... They only knew the sacrifice that was there. As I've talked about it a couple times already, the spiritual fathers and mothers, and that's where I went down and sank pretty hard. And of course, who we are with the Father, being completely separated and then coming in and still living under the law, thinking that we can produce, that we can do all these things. If we follow the law, that we'll be loved enough by the Father. That if we quit eating sausage because it's pork, if we quit eating this, if we quit doing this, if we, if we love like this. And it's interesting to me because I'm not, I'm, I'm not a grace guy that once, once you're saved, you can do whatever you want to do. I am not that by no means. Because uh, it, it's interesting to me that, that Old Testament says, thou shalt not murder. Jesus says, you're right, you heard that correctly, you shall not murder. But if you even say these things about your neighbor, that's murder. You shall not commit adultery. Oh, Jesus says, yeah, you heard it right. But if you even look at a woman with lust, that's that's committing adultery in your heart. So it's like he even built on it. So I'm not saying, I'm not saying at all that you can just go and sin and live, do whatever you want. But what I am saying is when you come into your identity, you do it out of being a son, not, not because you're trying to get the Father's love, not because you're wanting to perform in order to be accepted. See, and for me, I come to a place last year, that orphan spirit kept pushing on me because like I said last week, I, there was things told to me prophesied over me, words spoken over me that I was going to do this and that I administer the gospel this and that and blah, 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 you know. And uh, when I first come to the Lord, I was doing like Bible studies at, behind the chutes um, at Borans and everything. But that orphan spirit led me to a place that, that, uh, sorry. Um, oh man, I'm losing it right here. Sorry. Something happened over here. I can't even tell it because it would be disrespectful. But, um, <laughs> so, 
So, um, anyways, um, that orphan spirit pushed me to this place where I was like, man, I want mentored. And I was like, here's the thing. That orphan spirit, like I said, made me like kind of seclude off and say, you know, pastors Darren and Lynette, like, I don't need to be from them. I don't need, I don't need this from them and all that. But I was like, I want mentored. And they got their people that they, you know, the, the ones, and it, and it changed, and I say the ones, the ones at the time, because they speak into people's life all the time. They're discipling people all the time. That's what, once I got set free, I realized, hey, they are speaking in, they're making disciples. That's what they're doing. So there are, there are ones that they mentor and all this stuff. And, and I hear other people, you know, are mentored from their pastors and this. I'm like, I want a mentor. So I, I was on my face. I was learning to, to be in, in a secret place at that time. I was just learning of it. I said, God, I want mentored. I said, who can, who can mentor me? And, and I started thinking about the different ones. Uh, Todd Pierce, who was uh, uh, the PBR pastor, he, he's one who was a big uh, influence in me even come to the Lord. Like that man would, he, I've talked about him before, but he would call me in my BC days and it was almost like he knew exact times when I was drunker than a skunk. He would call me at those times and he'd start speaking life into me. And if it wasn't for him, I probably would have never even turned to the Lord when I needed it. And when I turned to the Lord, that's when I turned to the uh, cowboy church with pastors Darren and Lynette. So I thought, maybe it's Todd. I thought, maybe Tim's doing, because man, when Tim, every time I've been around Tim, man, that man speaks to my heart. Like, he just opens it up, you know, and, and I'm like, maybe, maybe Tim Stewen can, I can talk to him, and maybe he'll start mentoring me. I, I thought about Trey Johnson. We go and help him at, at different uh, church services down over in the mountains, um, and he also has an online deal where you can, like a mentorship, uh, leadership deal um, online. I was like, maybe I can do that. Maybe, maybe that's what I'm supposed to do, and I started praying about it. And God gave me Proverbs 2. He says, My son, if you receive my words and treasure my commands within, within you, so that you incline your ear to wisdom and apply your heart to understanding, yes, if you cry out for discernment and lift up your voice for understanding, if you seek her as silver and search for her as for hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. He says, from my mouth, I'm going to speak to you. He says, you don't, you're not going to be mentored from any of them. He says, I'm going to mentor you. He says, out of my mouth, I'll speak in to you and download the things that I want you to do. During that time, I also heard Todd White talk about when he... Dan Moeller is, is his spiritual father. And Todd's, he gets picked up from this place. I, I can't even remember the exact place. So if you know the story, you know, you can correct me later. But Todd gets in the car and he says, man, Dan. He says, you're my spiritual father. Dan says, you know, he says, I understand what you're saying there, Todd. He says, but uh, he goes, I can't be your spiritual father. He says, only the father in heaven can be your spiritual father. He says, okay, then. He says, you're my mentor. 
He says, man, Todd, he says, I understand what you're saying. He says, but he goes, only the Holy Spirit can be your mentor. He said, because I'm a man. He says, and when I mess up, he says, I will let you down. He says, you need to be fathered by the father. You need to be mentored by the helper. But here's the thing. It's Todd still, Todd Wyatt during the LCU deal, he still introduced Dan Moeller as a spiritual father, his earthly spiritual father. But what Dan was saying is, is first, you need to know your sonship with the one. You need to know him first. And I talked about it last week. I would go to pastors Darren and Lynette first because I was sitting in their lap waiting for the wisdom and knowledge to be coming from them. We need to hear it from his mouth. The prophetic word thing. I learned this just last semester too of the LCU. And um, when Bob Hazlett was up here, Pastor Darren asked me to come up. Out of everybody that was up here, I was the only one that didn't get a prophetic word. And Kirstie's like, why didn't, he, why didn't he say that? Why didn't he give you a prophetic word? And I was like, I ain't worried about it. Because I had learned previously that out of his mouth, I'm going to hear the things that he has for me. See, there was a time that I went to a church service that everybody around the whole church, it was, it was a big church, and people were lined against the walls. And I was so mad because I didn't get a prophetic word. I was like, God, give me something. Give me something. Show me something of where I'm going. What you have for me, show me something. I didn't get nothing. I was so mad. Pastors seen it. They were there. They even called. They even talked to me about it. They said, you okay? I said, man, I'm ready for a prophetic word. But see, what I learned was, was I need to be hearing it out of his mouth. God says, I'm going to speak it out of my mouth. See, and that moves us into that third place that I was talking about with the vision. Because as that water's coming down, going through the center of the city, he says, I want you to tell the people, get in the water. Go ahead and turn to Revelations 22, 1 through 5. Because I just want you to see this picture when we do this. I know this is at the end of Revelation, but I believe that this is a clear picture of, of, of what it was. And he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding from the throne of God and of the Lamb. In the middle of its streets, or yeah, in the middle of its streets, and on either side of the river was the tree of life, which bore twelve fruits, each tree yielding its fruit every month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. And there shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it, and His servants shall serve Him. They shall see His face, and His name shall be on their foreheads. There shall be no night there. They need no lamp nor light of the sun, for the Lord gives them light, and they shall reign forever and ever. I just talked about this earlier. When it says they shall see his face. I can't even remember where I heard this. I just heard this just recently, so I'm not taking credit for it. 
But as we do this, and we're going to do a prophetic thing here. We're going we're gonna to do a prophetic step. We're going to do some action here. Right, here. right there in your living room, all right? But what I heard was, is don't get caught up in the beauty of the throne. Because the throne of God is going to be beautiful. Don't get caught up in the beauty of the robe. Don't get caught up in the beauty of everything around it. Get caught up in, the, in his eyes. Get caught up in his eyes so you can see your reflection in his eyes. So you start seeing how he sees you. Get caught up in that so that he can start imparting to you the things that he, that he has for you. Romans 8.1 says, There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. In Him. Flipping to 16, 8.16, it says, The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. So right there, in your living room, I had, I had full intentions on it being right here. And what I seen was the river going right through the front of this church. But the crazy part about it is when me and Pastor Lynette was talking about it, I was even talking about switching this sermon. But the crazy part about it was, is where I was, was in my living room, on my face when I, when I got this impartation. He says, get in the water. He says, tell him to get in the water. So right now, right where you're at, I want you to get up off the couch if you ain't already. Yep, I'm waiting for you. There's some of you that I don't, I don't want you sitting back in that recliner. That chair kicked back, thinking that you're good. I don't want you sitting there. I don't want you thinking that you're good enough. Not that you're good enough, but that you're in a good place. So I want you to stand up. I encourage you to stand up. I can't tell you. I can't tell you to do it. And even if you was here, I couldn't even take a hot shot and make you. But man, if I could just show you the freedom. If I could just reveal my heart, the freedom that happened in my heart through this, you would jump up out of that recliner. There's going to be things that you're going to have to leave back. There's going to be those ministries that you're going to have to leave back because Jesus wasn't even there. You'd made this ministry up because you got a prophetic word. And the timing wasn't there, so you started making the carnal things up. You started doing them the way that you wanted. He said, those things are going to get destroyed anyway, so you might as well get in. He says, I'll give you the ministry that you had was spoken. So right now, as you're standing up right there in your living room, I want you to go ahead and step Step into the water. Step into that water and just get into a place of just worship. Because in this water, it was in the water that Jesus heard his identity spoken to him. He was baptized. He comes up out of the water. He's standing right there in the water. And as a dove comes down, he hears the voice from heaven. The father says, this is my beloved son in whom I'm real pleased. Why didn't he say, you're going to go and save the world. You're going to be the savior. He says, this is my beloved son. His mandate wasn't his identity. So as you're standing in that water, 
You might be ankle deep. I want you to see yourself going knee deep. I want you to see yourself going waist deep. Keep going until you're fully submerged and just get in a place and just worship him and let him download. See, there's not even a thing, even if you guys was here, there's not a thing that I could even lay my hand on you and start imparting to you sonship. That only the father, only the father's love can push out that orphan spirit. I heard it as, I've read it as I was studying this out. The orphan spirit's the only spirit that can't be delivered out, that can't be cast out. Only the spirit of God, the love of the father can push that orphan spirit out and fill that place. So as you're in that place, just get in a place of worship and just let him download. We're going to play a worship song and just be in that place. Let the heartbeat of heaven lead us here. 
Stay right there, right there in your living room. Stay right there in that place. See, in our baptism, we we go down in the water and and we're raised up. We die to ourselves and we raise up in him. What if, what if in this water that we get, that our identity gets so lost in him that people ask us, hey, who are you? You say, I'm just in Jesus, man. I'm just a son. I'm just a daughter. What if that's enough? Let that become enough in your heart. You don't need to be somebody special. Because that special that you see is a mold that you think is supposed to be filled by you. But see, he, he busted the mold when he made you. He says, my son, my daughter can't fit in that mold. So let him just continue downloading in you right now. Continue, pour, let him pour into you. I encourage you just to turn on some worship music right here, right where you're at. And just continue in that place. Don't worry about Facebook. Don't worry about even turning it off right now. Social media is going to be proof that we wasn't too busy for God. We're going to say, we were too busy, Lord. And he's going to pull up our social media stuff and say, was you? So just let that be. Stay in that place. And just turn on some worship music. And just continue letting him download in you what he has for you as a son and as a daughter. We thank you guys. We're going to go ahead and just uh, log out right here. You guys be blessed. We love you all. Thank you.